What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Michael basically did the same program as anybody at our age group team until he had already made an Olympic team. It wasn't like the Michael Phelps program. It was the North Baltimore Aquatic Club's program. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. I'm Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Project podcast. Joining me today is Bob Bowman, head swimming coach at Arizona State University. Coach Bowman has worked with a talented group of collegiate and Olympic swimmers over the years, including one of the greatest of all, Michael Phelps. I'm excited to talk with him as he has a very unique perspective of working with athletes from age group swimming to professionals. I'd love to have your insight, your perspective on the specialization that's being pushed and like almost the professionalization in kids that are sub 12 years old to play one sport, become a specialist. What do you think about the kind of culture that's out there right now? I think there's clearly benefits for kids playing lots of sports. And having a wide menu of things to choose from, just from a physiological standpoint, we get kids in college these days who can't throw a ball, can't balance, can't do a lot of things because they just didn't play a lot of things when they were growing up. So I feel like it's critical that they do that. And I think what I see in youth sports, particularly in the sport of swimming today, is A lot of programs are training age group swimmers like college swimmers. They're giving them absolutely every tool, every possible modality at a very young age. And I think that's doing them a disservice. See, that is such a powerful message. And here's where I'm finding a lot of concern is that you're seeing youth participation numbers in overall sports declining. You're seeing kids being priced out so they can't play. And I firmly believe the greatest thing that you take away from the participation in youth sports are the life lessons that serve you as a husband, father, wife. Without question. And it opens up doors for kids to try other things. What's important about sports is not what you get. 
It's what you become in that process. And it's all of the things that successful and well-adjusted people (laughs) need to make their way in life. You learn how to manage yourself. You learn how to set a goal and work for it in an intelligent way. You learn how to deal with others. You learn how to work in a team environment. All of these things are critical to your success as a person, not just an athlete. And I think it carries over, like you said, to other things. I'm a big musician. I grew up playing lots of instruments and have a large background in music. And the two things are very, very similar. You're just learning skills which make you a better person. Whether you can play the piano as well as some others, I guess you can figure that out later or swim any faster than anybody else. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I wasn't a particularly good swimmer, but... I was able to learn things and love things about the process of training and the environment of our swimming program that just kept me in it the rest of my life. So, uh, you know, it's not all about the end or the result. It's much more about the process. I never played an individual sport. I was a football, baseball guy, but my older boy started wrestling four years ago. I knew nothing about it, so I can, for the first time, just be a fan. And I realized, wait a minute, I might be a little bit of a crazy parent here. So it was eye-opening to be naive to the sport. And that made me realize that's the way it's supposed to be as a parent, right? Exactly. I take it a step further, and I saw my boys being taken out of their comfort zone, meaning in baseball and other of these pay-for-play organizations, you pay and your kid gets on the team, he gets on a roster. They don't have to really overcome much adversity nowadays. And and when I saw wrestling, I was like, wow, this is stripped down raw. This is real life stuff that they can use later on, whether they become wrestlers or not. So my thought is almost the culture with pay for play being so expensive and all these things. It's almost handicapping kids. They're not learning how to overcome any adversity. That's absolutely right. And what you see in youth sports today is no one wants their child to fail at anything or be uncomfortable, which is the single most important lesson you learn in sports. If you ever wanted to swim in the Olympics, the essence of Olympic competition is getting comfortable being uncomfortable. So what you get is you get these kids who at the first sign of adversity, they just shut down. We encourage our guys to solve problems. We build an environment that is full of adversity so that they can overcome these things and become confident because that's how you get confidence. Nobody gives you confidence. Confidence comes from demonstrated ability under adverse conditions. And when you do that, then you know you can do it in competition. It's amazing how I'm finding initially I'm like, well, maybe this is just a certain couple of sports here and there. No, it's not. This is a crossover. Every sport, I don't care what it is. The mindset is really the same. It's amazing though how I'm finding a lot of high level athletes and you could speak to this. And I think it's something that's not talked about enough is the mental health aspect of it. If you're a 13, 14 year old kid, I remember for me, it was hard enough developing and being insecure, let alone with Instagram, Snapchat, and now the professionalization of sports. Like, how does that impact a kid? How much more of a microscope is it under? It impacts it a lot. And particularly now, we have a lot of websites about swimming and things where the kids go all the time. And all of these people who know absolutely nothing about the process or development of athletes comment on their performances, right? And set expectations for them. And they should be able to do this if they did this in a certain meet. And it's very detrimental. I myself stopped reading those comments because they say bad stuff about me on there. But (laughs) (laughs) for the kids, it's really bad because you have expectations are really they're kind of like important. And then they're the worst thing in the world at the same time. Right. You want to have some reasonable expectations about where you should go and your coach can help you do that. But if you have unrealistic ones or things that don't match up with where your ability level or performance level are at a certain time, I think it causes a lot of mental health issues. 
with everyone, not just the kids. I yeah, know. I agree with that. What concerns me is that is you're going to see, I really believe sports is an overall microcosm for the society. Now, I'm not suggesting that I'm, I'm we're trying to, I mean, hopefully we can make a dent and change people's thinking, but you yeah. know, I think it's a microcosm to where kids are being so sheltered that unstructured play is like a thing of the past. Everything is organized, structured, game after game after game. Kids aren't just going out there and playing rec and having a good time, which I hear from many pros and I know myself, that's where you get creative and actually learn how to have a lot of fun. Do you agree? Absolutely. So unstructured play, how can we maybe incorporate that more? Do you try to do that? Well, I don't do it so much in the workouts I have now, but when I was coaching little kids, we used to do it all the time. We would have a day where we just play games or we would just see if they could learn a certain skill and then have fun with it instead of making everything just like a lesson, right? I would definitely include that when we were doing it with the younger guys. And I probably should do it more with my older ones. Glad you reminded me of that. I talked to Jacob Casper, who was an All-American wrestler, and I did a post about him. I talked to him last night. He's the assistant coach at Duke right now. And he said, Nick, once a week, we're incorporating a soccer game, something to keep these kids excited because they're coming to college and they don't have the same movement skills that we did or other kids did by playing multiple sports. He's like, we're almost teaching kids to do things they should have learned when they were eight, nine, ten years old. Completely agree with that. We put some of that stuff in the early season with my college teams. We're definitely out on the track or doing some things, doing a little running, playing a few games, and and we tried to get them to play ultimate frisbee and half the kids can't move. Throw and catch. I'm more worried about them getting hurt now because they're just not used to doing this. (laughs) I totally hear you. I think it's a great thing. After the break, Coach Bowman and I will talk about the science behind youth athlete development and how he designed Michael Phelps' training program. I'm Nick Bonacore, and you're listening to the Reform Sports Project Podcast. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. 
The Walker Hayes for JCPenney Collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome back to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and today we have Bob Bowman, head swim coach at Arizona State University. Where we left off, Bob and I were about to dive into how science-based training programs help young athletes develop the right way, both mentally and physically. So there's one thing I really want to touch on with you, because I spoke to Frank Bush and I spoke to several coaches, Jim Calhoun, Mike Fox. He's the head coach of the University of North Carolina and all saying the same thing you are. But what Jim Calhoun said, I think is important because a lot of parents I hear, they're chasing the Tiger Woods, the Michael Phelps with their kid. Jim Calhoun said, he goes, Nick, nothing supersedes talent. He goes, Ray Allen, no matter how much I coached him or not, he was going to be a star. He was that gifted. Exactly. He was one in a million, like a Michael Phelps, like a Tiger Woods, LeBron James. But I think people are chasing that, and that's not normal. Would you agree with exactly. that? Exactly. I totally agree with that. And you know what? We didn't chase that with Michael Phelps. It just happened. <laughs> Michael basically did the same program as anybody in our age group team until he had already made an Olympic team. It wasn't like the Michael Phelps program. It was the North Baltimore Aquatic Club program. After he got pretty good and was starting to get to the top 3 or 4% of world performance, he probably did some more specialized things. But until then, he didn't train twice a day until he was almost 15 years old. He was just in the regular program. Quite frankly, we were trying to keep him from turning into a star. We wanted him to be as normal as possible for as long as possible. So we talked a lot about the physical attributes, you know, with youth athletics, the kids playing various sports and developing the whole body and such. But what I wanted to ask you about and hear your insight is I hear a lot from baseball coaches in particular about the science that's involved. There's data and analytics that's become part of the game and all these things. And at times it could be used in a negative way, but in the right hands, it's really helpful, really helpful, you know, with people who know what the hell they're doing. Tell me about the science, the way the human body works and all this stuff in development, specifically with dealing with MP, you know, Michael Phelps. Well, you know, in swimming, it works on a different, many different levels. So you have the biomechanic area. So that's going to be stroke technique, how certain limbs work as levers, how you apply pressure to certain points, all of those things. The one that we probably delved in the most was, um, the physiology, right? And the physiology of training. We felt like we wanted everything we did to be based on sound principles of science in terms of training. And we developed a program over the long term that really addressed what we thought were critical windows during his growth patterns or any athlete's growth patterns so that we were addressing the appropriate type of training at the appropriate age developmental age. I'm glad you brought that up because I hear Eric Backich, who's the head baseball coach at Michigan. Um, you're a former Michigan guy. And coach, yeah, coach, no 
Yeah, Coach Backage is like the data supports and the science supports 6 to 12 is an age window where kids should be just playing, you know, kicking hard and swinging hard, jumping high. He calls it letting your body organize itself. And to me, I hear that and I go, well, that's all pre-puberty. Is that kind of what you're doing? Is there like a, um, a natural development phase that you don't want to interfere with before kids hit puberty? Exactly. You know, and... Um with Michael, he played all different sports, right? Baseball, soccer, lacrosse. And with our younger kids on our swim team who are just coming to swim team, all the eight and unders would go outside and run and skip and hop and learn to do movements. And a lot of them, I was shocked, don't know how to do the basic kind of kid movement. So we would teach them how to do it. And I definitely believe that in the early development stages, they need a wide menu of exercises and movements so that they can then choose from things later on. And if you don't learn how to kind of do a lot of different things as a kid, you're really locked into some specific movement patterns that at some point are just going to fail as you get older and train more. So it's very important that I think that the pre-puberty kids are having a variety of different options in terms of how they move. In the wrong hands when it comes to swimming, the data that you use, and you know, because now they're in baseball talking about exit velocity and all these different things. Well, you're standing there with a the stopwatch, you know, in the wrong hands, can that be manipulated or used and hurt an athlete? Or how, how do people know how to use the science the right way? Well, absolutely. And the first premise in swimming is that swimming is a technique-based sport. So if you don't have proper technique, you're, you're going to limit your potential. Okay, so the first thing that kids need to be taught is how to swim properly. And the way that you do that is not under the stress of training, right? It's done in a way where they can focus on the neuromuscular patterns. They can kind of build up their their fitness level to actually be able to do the technique. And the coach needs to know what the right technique is. So there are you know, a number of things that go with that. But I've seen so many kids who just got thrown into a pool and swam a million yards and they got really fast as young kids but they did it with poor technique and when they get to the final level so they're trying to get to a national team or to the olympics that's a real limiting factor if they have poor technique because everybody there has good technique you can't be without it so that's one phase of it the other one is they're just getting inappropriate uh modalities of training in my mind and what i've seen in youth sports since i've been coaching now for you know, 30 years is that age group coaches are looking at what college coaches do and they're using the same modalities right they're asking them to do resistance training to uh pull on buckets and uh, things that we have for swimming now so you can actually swim against resistance right and they're not ready to do that when they're 12 11 13 14 15 michael didn't lift weights until he's been in an olympics because we wanted to save that part to add so his career would keep moving right um so i think all of that goes back to what's an appropriate thing to do with a kid at a certain age and for me it would work like this there would be a, a phase where it's skill-based only technique based and just some general conditioning like we said jumping jacks running swimming a little bit doing all the strokes kind of learning everything then there's going to be a phase where you would start to develop their aerobic system because we know that actually pre-pubescent kids can develop their heart and lung size you can actually increase heart and lung size prior to puberty if you do some training but that's not like training like michael would do when he was 20 Sure. It's appropriate training for 11, 12-year-olds. So you give them a capacity, an aerobic capacity, but then with the skills, you have that. So you have aerobic and skills. And then you start moving on to more anaerobic training, more kind of power-based training. And by the time they get to college, they're ready to lift weights. 
they're ready to do resistance and power-based training because they have a background of all these other things. But it has to flow and it has to go in a progression. And if you ignore that progression, you just end up uh, really stunting how far they can go at the end of their career. So let's say, you know, you recognize or a parent, I have no idea, a coach recognizes like you did, you know, a Caleb Dressel, a Michael Phelps, you know, these kids that are just, wow, you know, this kid is special. Do you intentionally, and I mean, you see it, you've seen it before, you see this kid could be an outlier. Do you intentionally not press the envelope so that you don't overexert them? Because I think what people do is they see this potential. I don't know, but my guess is they automatically go into, we got to step it up a little bit. Is that like the quickest way to burn a young kid? No, that's the quickest way to ruin them. Actually, Michael just came out with this documentary called The Weight of Gold. And there's a tiny clip of me in there giving what I think is my first TV interview ever. And my words are, we've limited his training so that we can add things later on. So he can get a lot better down the road. <laughs> and we de- we deliberately limited his training early on. He slam once a day where a lot of people would have tried to make him swim twice. Um, we saved the weight training where a lot of people would have thrown him right into that. And we tried to have a deliberate plan for how we would develop each one of his strokes and each one of his training qualities over time so that when we finally got to the top level, the Olympic level for him, he had all the tools in his toolbox. He wasn't missing something. So, uh, And he could also do it injury-free. That's a big part of what happens. When you start getting advanced training modalities early, the kids get hurt. And there shouldn't be 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old kids with chronic shoulder problems in swimming. That just should not exist. That means you're not doing it correctly. So, you know, all of these things factor into what a smart development plan is, in my opinion. How did you recognize, like, we got to be calculate? I think I asked you this in a text message. Was it this all stuff that you had learned? Because it seemed, I don't know, did you coach a Phelps-type person before? Like, how did you know this <laughs> No, but I studied, I studied Phelps-type people okay. because I wanted to coach them. And I worked with coaches who had developed that kind of people. You know, I, co- I worked with the coach who had developed Tracy Calkins, who's probably the best female swimmer ever. You know, if it wasn't for the 1980 boycott, everybody would know her. She came back in 84 and won some medals, but she, you know, set American records in every stroke. Uh, I worked with other coaches who had developed young swimmers to the very top level and watched how they did that and talked to them about it. And, you know, so I, so I was learning about it. And it, it was obvious with Michael, right? He wasn't just a good age group swimmer. He was like, you just had the feeling that he was special. So you wanted to make sure that you were going to give him every tool so that he could maximize that. So that's kind of where I approached it. So the long-term, I don't want to say long-term development, but like having the, the long lenses is not something that you invent. Like that's been going on forever because now it's a quick. Yeah, yeah. Well, good coaches have been doing that forever, right? <laughs> that's how you know them. They got people to really high levels because they smartly developed them or they intelligently developed them. They didn't just try to get everything now because they have this kid who happens to be pretty good. So that's what it takes. And I see it like today, everyone, and it doesn't matter the sport, it, it seems like they want to make a name for themselves. So let's get this kid as good as they can. And at times, uh, I'm just trying to yeah. connect the dots. It seems like we are speeding it up. And at times we're doing the kids a disservice. Is that what we're saying? Absolutely. Anytime you're speeding that up, you're doing them a disservice. Everybody oh. has a rate at which they progress. Now, Michael, I will be perfectly honest, Michael's chronological age did not match up with his developmental age right no 15 year olds make the olympics boys you know he did so you know so that there is that piece so he was probably accelerated in terms of what i would do with somebody who's his same age but not his talent level 
But in general, you always want to be moving at the pace, and, and they'll tell you what the next step should be. If you're a good coach, you're observing how they adapt to what you're giving them. Are they swimming with better technique? Are they able to handle this workload and still come into practice with a positive attitude and not be the walking dead, you know, because you're killing them? Are they happy doing what they're doing? Are they racing and progressing over time? And it's also your job to kind of make some of these things happen. Like for Michael, I knew on day one that his best event was the 200 butterfly. Okay. You knew it was going to be. I didn't let him swim that for almost a year when he started swimming. He, we kept him from swimming. So I got him at 11. He didn't really swim it in a meet until he was 13. Is that because you were I trying wanted, to do, I, you wanted yeah, him to be uncomfortable? Well, no. I wanted to get his strokes right, and I didn't want him to start swimming this event that all these older people swam and just burn himself out on it, right? So Michael swam the 200 fly the first time he ever swam in the meet. He qualified for the junior nationals. Wow. And then the next time he got third at junior nationals, and the next time he broke a national age record by five seconds. So it kind of spiraled from there. Um, so it, it was, you know, I think intelligent planning of how the events they swim how you choose to compete. Just because everybody's competing in a certain way doesn't mean you have to do that. What we thought was important for his development at 13 and 14 is he would go to meets and swim nine events a day. He would swim a lot of events at these meets. And he got used to swimming back-to-back events, but it wasn't done in a way that was, you know, we weren't then going home and swimming 20,000 yards a day. It was just the meets would present the challenge and he loved to race. So he loved challenges, seeing what he could do. Could he win three events in a row in a program? Could he come back at night and do the same thing? Could he do a best time in all those events? So, you know, you kind of have to know your athlete and know what they're capable of. And then you are pushing them, right? You're pushing them to the next step. You're not going from step 10 to step 100. You're going from step 10 to step 11 to 12. Maybe sometimes you skip and go to 14, but you don't skip and go to 25, you know? Tell me this. You keep using the word compete, compete, compete. You know, parents and kids are looking for the secret sauce. From what I'm gathering, the willingness to go out and compete like a killer. Uh, you know what I mean by that. But to compete to win seems to be what every college coach wants. They want athletes that want to compete. And from what I gather, Michael's in the category of a Jordan. Like Michael loved to win, but he hated to lose more. A hundred percent. How important That's what is that the great competition? Ones do. Oh, it's absolutely important. It's what drives everything we do, right? Because we tie everything we do in training back to the next meet. So we're doing this because we want to develop this quality of your strokes. So then when you get to the next meet, you'll be able to do this at this time of the race. And then everything has meaning, right? See, I think a lot of people, they just kind of go to practice and the coach just kind of gives them something and they do it. And then it might go well, it might go poorly. And then they go to a meet and they swim well or they swim poorly, but they don't tie the whole thing together. You know, it's sort of like the practices are your homework and the meets are your tests, your quizzes, right? So you find out if you've learned the material or not. And then from the results of the meets, you can go back and change what you're doing in the classroom so the next time they do better. So that's how I approach it. It's it's not just trial and error. It's a planned system. And then you can check your results, go back and tweak something, throw something out, add something in that you think they need. And then over time, if you do that well enough, you can refine it to a point where you can get really predictable results. That classroom analogy, I think everyone can relate to. But Coach Bowman, this has been awesome. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot going on. I thank you so much. I always appreciate you. Glad to do it. Thanks. Same here. 
Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.